My name is Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. There is no piece accompanied with this. Um, this is a kind of a companion piece slash reaction piece to some stuff I've been getting on Twitter and Facebook. We've been getting direct messages, private messages, um, specifically about this show, that have people asking me what I've been reading, what I've been watching, what I've been taking in, some of my influences. Um, my influences, I will say, go back to the very beginning of the show. I believe the first like two or three episodes, I do talk about my top three writers, uh, Warren Ellis, Chuck Palahniuk, and Hunter S. Thompson. Feel free to go back and listen to those. I'm not going to talk about the influences necessarily here. This will be more current. Uh, what I'm taking in right now, what I'm working on, stuff like that, what I think of the stuff I'm taking in and why. But I do get a lot of questions on, you know, the show about this show, about what I'm reading. Let's just start off with, I am reading Han Kang's The Vegetarian, which is a novel about this uh, South Korean woman who has a disturbing dream involving meat and blood and resolves to become a vegetarian, and it tears her family apart as she becomes literally more and more vegetative. Um, not in a body horror kind of way, but in an emotional, psychological kind of way. Its effects on her and her family... Um, it's the winner of an international writing prize. I, I don't know which one off the top of my head. Um, I talked about this book in Judging a Book by its Cover because I talked about how the cover grabbed me, how the title grabbed me, so what's in a name was another episode I talked about this book. It's very good. It, the translation um, from Korean to English is a little twitchy. Um, there are some syntax errors um, or th the way like metaphors are put forward are a little um, wonky in my opinion. But I imagine it may be a direct translation, or there may not be an uh, English equivalent to some of the language. Um, but I highly recommend The Vegetarian. It's been out, they actually, uh, it's been out for a couple years. They end up making a movie out of it that I haven't seen, but I would be very interested to, I'm going to look into that and see if I can find an English subversion. So I'm reading The Vegetarian by Han Kang, is one of the books I'm reading. My friend Deb is, has loaned me um, all 11 books. I'm on the last one, actually, as we speak of the Lucifer series from Vertigo Comics, written by Mike Carey and drawn by Peter Gross for the most part. Uh, Lucifer was one I was really itchy about getting into because I wasn't a huge fan of Mike Carey's run on Uncanny X-Men. I believe it was Uncanny X-Men. It might have just been X-Men. I'm not sure. But he did write an X-Men comic that I was not a fan of. I, I just didn't like the stories and the characters he was using and the characterization that he brought into it. Um, it's not to say he's a bad writer at all. Um, it is... Lucifer is a spinoff of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman, which I'm a huge fan of, to the point where I have a Sandman tattoo, uh, which underneath I have tattooed Neil Gaiman's signature that he signed me uh, at a book reading for, I believe it was Fragile Things, when he released Fragile Things, which was a, um, a collection of short stories that he had written. It is the spinoff of Sandman involving the character Lucifer and what Lucifer gets up to after he leaves hell and goes and starts a piano club in L.A., it is phenomenal. It, I wish I would have gotten in on this, uh, maybe not on the ground floor, but maybe halfway through this series, so I could have binged, uh, in terms of trade paperback, the collections of issues, binged it for maybe the first half, and then like had all the suspense ramp up um, in the second half, as opposed to me just slamming through the last like four books, um, just eating them up uh, and pouring over the gorgeous artwork. Mike Carey's, Mike Carey's characterizations in Lucifer are spot on. I love them up to and including like Lucifer's just aloofness up to the end um, where he's just like, I'll just wait. And, you know, I have plans. You don't need to know them. And part of the plan right now is waiting. And everyone's going, but we have to do something. And he's like, that's not part of my plan. 
I recommend Lucifer. Like I said, uh, the whole series is out. Um, I think it's 11 books. They might have reprinted them in Prestige and be like a, a less, you know, there might be six books, five books, whatever it is. But Lucifer, great. I'm glad I'm, I'm reading it. Um, I do watch the TV show, and I knew that the comic and the TV show were radically different. Um, and I knew I knew that walking into the TV show. But, you know, when Deb was like, have you ever read Lucifer? And I'm like, no, I, you know, I, I like Sandman. I don't really want it tarnished by a spinoff. She goes, read it. It's a lot like Sandman in terms of grand sweeping arcs and these little character moments and people are brought in and you don't know why and then they leave and they come back and the second, third act is like these vital cogs in, this, in, in the overarching plots. I loved it. Um, it's one of those I'm probably going to take a little time away from it when I'm done with it and then start rereading it again and seeing all the little things, all the seeds that my carry planted in the first couple books and see how they blossom into the, you know, 10th, 11th book. Because um, it all gets paid off. It's it's great. A um, bunch of new characters that I really like, like the Basanos, which is this, like, angel-drawn, sentient um, deck of tarot cards. Appear truly malevolent, but really... Is fate malevolent, benevolent? No, it simply is. So, but the fact that they are sentient and are working on their own fate is is very uh, a very interesting uh, question. There's a lot of existentialism and what is free will and who Lucifer is will. I mean, he fought against God for free will. You know, I will not serve is what he said. Roughly, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, from both Mike Carey and uh, Milton's Paradise Lost, but. So the whole book is a lot about um, existentialism, free will versus determinism, fate, destiny, um, all of that. Highly recommended. Um, even the like little side issues um, and the parts where it kind of slows down to focus on character moments or to slowly build a plot up. Um, even when it trods along, it's still very good. Um, speaking of finales, um, I'm also reading... The, I'm actually rereading it. The finale of Chew, the comic Chew, C-H-E-W, by John Lehman and Rob Gilroy. This is a book that uh, I think I've talked about before. Stars a character named Tony Chu, C-H-U, who is a psychopath, which is a person who gets a psychic impression from anything he eats. This sounds like a dumb power, um, but it isn't. Uh, he ends up being transcripted into a government, or conscripted into a government program, uh, and he ends up solving, like, cold cases and murders by eating parts of the uh, deceased. This launches into a worldwide conspiracy based on um, a smokescreen that chicken has been outlawed because of an outbreak, a global outbreak of avian flu, and it's up to um, a few other cybopaths and other food-powered people to um, find the truth within the conspiracy while dealing with each other and when they don't get along or when one of them kidnaps the other one's daughter. I'm not going to use names because I really don't want to spoil it. I have read the finale. I'm not going to spoil that either. But I, I'm going back and reading and I'm going to dissect kind of the last couple issues because it seemed that it ended so abruptly yet emotionally and I want to kind of figure out how John Lehman, um, through words and... Rob Gilroy, through pictures, uh, got there. I want to kind of break that down and kind of dissect it and throw it into my toolbox, a term I have not used in quite some time on this show. So I am reading that. There's something else I'm not reading, but I do want to dissect. I talked to Deb about it yesterday because I'm going to have to go pick it up. Is at least the first volume of Welcome to Night Vale, the scripts. 
Um, I want to see how they put those together, uh, how they make notes for the intonations uh, for Cecil Baldwin, the voice of Night Vale. Um, I want to see how they did it because, and I'll talk about this at the very end, um, I have started writing the I Hate Kathy Hammond podcast, which is going to be very structurally a lot like Welcome to Night Vale or the podcast um, Homecoming, which I highly recommend as well. So I kind of want to take a look at their writing structure and see and, and dissect that and throw that into uh, the aforementioned toolbox. Uh, I have been listening to the Nerdist podcast writers panel, and this is one that I've had a ton of back issues and or back episodes and just finally started getting to them. Uh, recently, I listened to the BoJack Horseman Creator podcast uh, panel, the one with Joe Hill, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, it's Stephen King's son, but he stands on his own right with Heart Shaped Box, Nosferatu, and uh, Horns, which ended up becoming a movie with Daniel Radcliffe. And he has a new one out that I haven't read called The Fireman that I'm looking forward to getting as well. I've need to go book shopping. Upon listening to Joe Hill's, oh, I also listened to um, Shane Black, who's a screenwriter and director that I'm a huge fan of. He did Lethal Weapon, uh, Iron Man 3, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Long Kiss Goodnight. He was in Predator. He's doing the new Predator movie, writing and directing. Look him up. He's great. Love him. I love the, they're called uh, Shane Blackisms in his scripts where he writes little personal notes like, oh, this palatial mansion that the bad guy lives in. Imagine it's all glass and, you know, white marble, the kind of mansion I'm going to buy if this script does gangbusters at the box office. Stuff like that. But I was listening to the writer's panel with Joe Hill, and he talks about writing long form, which I'm not um, a huge fan of, especially when it's organically. Um, I am going to have an entire episode dedicated to this concept later on uh, in the next couple months, so I'm not going to get too much into that. But it has sparked my kind of creativity in terms of going into long form. That's how I'm writing the I Hate Kathy Hammond podcast. See, I told you I'd get there eventually. So I did get about a page into the long form, then I had to go record No Applause, Just the Clap. But I'm going to be working on Kathy Hammond pretty steadily. I've really got the spark of it. I can hear the character in my head. While we do have notes for the first three seasons of Kathy Hammond. I, w I, want, I wouldn't say that I have got an outline. Uh, it's literally a couple sentences, three sentence synopses just to go like, this is where we need to start. This is where we need to end. This is what it's going to be contained in a, in a nutshell, one sentence, um, you know, what it's going to be about. So I really don't have an outline. I'm writing this long form organically. Like I said, there'll be another episode where I'm going to talk about this more in depth. So I'm not going to get too much into it. This is more about what I'm reading than what I'm writing. And lastly, I am watching, uh, I just got done watching the first season of HBO's The Vice Principals, created by Jody Hill and Danny McBride and starring Danny McBride and Walter Goggins. Phenomenal. I think if you ever watched Eastbound and Down, you would like Vice Principals. Um, I watched Vice Principals based on two things. One, um, I love Walter Goggins, uh, especially from Justified. But also that they kind of turned this um, movie trope on its head. And the trope I'm talking about is simply that cliche of a principal comes to a, you know, down and out school and turns it around through, like, pluck and courage and, you know, um, charm. Imagine, you know, uh, not Stand By Me, it's um, Deb and I just talked about it yesterday, but it's the one with James Edward almost um, that, that I can't think of the name off the top of my head. In this quick post-production note, the movie I can't think of is Stand and Deliver. 
but any, you know, any of that, that kind of cliche of like, you know, uh, kind of dangerous minds with that teacher that played by Michelle Pfeiffer and, uh, and all that. Maybe it was Stand By Me. Um, it wasn't Stand By Me, it, but it was a song name. Maybe, ah, fuck it. It doesn't matter. I know what movie I'm talking about. I think you all know the cliche I'm talking about. So they turn that on its head where this principal comes in and basically the two vice principals played by Danny McBride and Walton Goggins are displaced. Uh, they were going to fight over who was going to be principal. So that while this, that, that cliche, the principal's like, oh, I'm winning the students' hearts and the teachers' minds and we're going to, you know, get test scores up and all this good stuff and we're going to beat the rival team that's always slaughtered us at the homecoming game. All of that, they're constantly trying to undermine and discredit and destroy her. And it's more about them than it is her. So it's kind of like that movie, uh, Rosencrantz and Gilderstein are dead, where it's kind of what's going on in the background of Hamlet in, in the movie uh, Rosencrantz and Gilderstein are dead with uh, Tim Roth and Gary Oldman. It The, the vice principles is kind of what's going on uh, in the background of stuff like Dangerous Minds and that other movie I can't think of the name of. So I like that they turn that trope on its head. Um, you see that a lot in Joss Whedon's work, and that's why I really appreciate Joss Whedon, among other things such as his dialogue writing and characterization. So I like when things turn their conventions like kind of upside down and play on that. Uh, it's something that every writer needs to be able to do, and I think I, it brings me immense pleasure when I not only do I see it, but when I do it. So on that note, that is everything that I've been taking in lately. So I hope that does answer some questions. I may do these episodes once in a, you know, blue moon just to shake things up and once again turn the convention on its head and say, this is not what I'm writing. This is what I'm reading. I'm Doug. This has been Mr. Wright. And remember, they keep writing. You'll keep reading. Right on. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Wright. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher.